This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com fool and using promo code fool at checkout. It's Wednesday, January 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Matt Argersinger and Jason Moser from the Motley Fool's Million Dollar Portfolio. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey. hey. I love, I, can I just say, I love when you say Million Dollar Portfolio. When you say it, it just is that it true? sounds Such so authority. good. But I, I, true or false, you say that to all the hosts. No, no, I don't, <laughs> yeah. Mac. You say it don't, better don't, than... Is that I, true? I, let's not tell Chris, but <laughs> I think you say it better okay. than Chris. No, no, your secret is safe with me. Okay, the gauntlet good. has good. been thrown. Okay, well, guys, on today's show, we're going to talk some Buffett, we're going to talk some pizza, and we're going to talk some Facebook. But we begin with our newest growth stock, 130-year-old Eastman Kodak. On Monday, shares of Kodak trading around $3.00. Today, guys, shares trading around $10. So what happened in between? Crypto. <laughs> Kodak says it has used blockchain technology to create a new digital photography platform called Kodak Coin, which, Jason, is essentially a cryptocurrency for photographers. What do you think? <laughs> well, I've, I think we could probably make a lot of jokes about this, but I'm going to start out <laughs> with an actual you know, thought regarding this. And I, and I think... Uh, the question here is how viable can the Kodak One rights management platform be? Because that's why this currency exists. At least it's one of the main reasons it exists. Um, Kodak intends to, to build this Kodak One rights management platform so that uh, people in the business can manage the the buying and selling of these of these digital of these digital properties uh, more effectively. And Kodak Coin is the the token the currency which will be used on this platform in order to buy and sell. So you can register rights. your work, you can license your work. That's a big deal for I mean that is a big deal. So there's I'm, a I'm certainly not here. making the I'm not not making light of that. There is a utility there. Now I mean it's it's not there are other businesses out here that do this kind of stuff. I mean Shutterstock I think is one that comes to mind. Uh, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken that Facebook has dipped a toe in the water trying to figure out ways because of the fact that they generate so much content particularly when you look at something like Instagram which is so visually based anyway so I mean that actually I think there is a reason for this Kodak one rights management platform I very much question the need for an actual Kodak currency I think that is a way to get their name out there, you know, certainly there's a marketing dynamic. Certainly, there is an opportunism, a sense of opportunism here in that they've seen other companies have have you know used this terminology and seen a little bit of a of a boost there in the stock market. Um, who knows how this ends up working out? I mean, I don't I don't know that we would. I don't know that we would call Kodak probably the healthiest company out there in the world today, um, but hey, nevertheless, it's in the headlines for, for this move. And Matt, this is a company that that over the years, over the last few years at least, has kind of pretty much been given up for dead. And now, in three days, we see the stock move from three to ten. I, yeah, honestly, I kind of I kind of stopped paying attention to these moves when I think it was the Long Island Iced Tea Company <laughs> changed its name to Long Blockchain and went up three hundred percent. I. I, I think to Jason's point. So you're point, skeptical. That I they am can, a little. You don't think they can make that move? <laughs> no, I, I think Jason's got some. There are there is there does appear to be in Kodak's case at least some utility to it. But I, I think it's a marketing move. I think it's a way for Kodak to attract new people into their 
well, whatever ecosystem they may have these days, which I don't think is very large. And so, you know, for them, it might be, as Jason said, opportunistic. I long term, I don't know. I don't know why this stock's up this much. It doesn't make sense to me. So it's not like Kodak is the only company that's ever tried this. I mean, all sorts of companies out there do. I mean, Facebook has its own currency. I think you can still buy gift cards in the store. Uh, the one that seems a little bit more uh, relevant to me, at least, Amazon has Amazon coins, and and you get those coins. You can either just buy them uh, with cash, or or you get coins. When you purchase certain things, and then you can use those coins to purchase apps or content within that Amazon universe, and so there is there is something there that sort of keeps you on the hook in that ecosystem, so to speak. Uh, but that's Amazon, right? Or that's Facebook? I mean, I'm not really sure that Kodak um, is ever going to be able to to claim an ecosystem. Um, and that that again, I think that's where the biggest question comes here: is that is this Kodak One rights management platform? Is that really a thing? What kind of a future could it really hold? Um, if you can if you can make some judgments there, then you could at least get an idea as to whether this Kodak currency even really makes sense to begin with. But I don't really think it does. So probably at the end of the day. So in terms of the stock, when you look at the stock today as opposed to last week, is it more interesting? Is it less interesting? I mean, it's more interesting as a short. <laughs> because I mean, we've seen the, we've seen the stock with such a such a pop. So I mean, I, I think it's more interesting as a short. But this is still the same crappy business that it was yesterday. Matt, uh, yeah, I totally couldn't. <laughs> nothing to add there. Nothing to add. Okay, well, let's move on to a not crappy business called Berkshire Hathaway. Um, the Warren Buffett succession plan starting to take shape, guys. On Wednesday, Berkshire named Gregory Abel and Ajit Jain as vice chairman. So they're getting a bit of a promotion. But the real takeaway here. Is that pretty much confirms what we already knew that one of those two will probably succeed Warren Buffett? That's right, Mac. And this was several years ago, Buffett made the move to um, kind of ensure that the investing side of Berkshire Hathaway would, would have a plan. And he did that through the two hires uh, previous there. This is kind of shoring up the operating side of Berkshire Hathaway. So now you have Greg Abel, who's going to kind of oversee the non insurance side of the business. Um, you have Ajit Chain, who for decades has Run um, most of Berkshire's insurance businesses, and now he's going to be overseeing that, which is the other vital part of Berkshire Hathaway. You know, I'd have to say that Greg Abel, because he's 55, I think, is probably the guy, because I think all of us think, I think looking at Buffett, I mean, yes, he's on the brink of 90 years old, but I think, I think all everyone sitting here would be surprised if Buffett wasn't still CEO and chairman. Say five years from now, so that would put you know, and at that point, that's probably when something might happen. So Greg Abel would still be you know a relatively young manager to take over that position. Far more interesting to me though was actually you know the succession plans are important if you're a Berkshire shareholder, but I thought it was more interesting to see what uh, what Buffett and, and and Vice Chairman Munger had to say about the stock market and cryptocurrency. We can talk about that, but you know the idea that Buffett actually doesn't think the stock market. Um, even though we've had this, you know, historic rally, and, and by most measures, the, the stock market's at uh, high valuation. He doesn't think it's that stretched when you factor in the, you know, the prevailing level of interest rates, which are still very low, probably still going to stay low, and the fact that we had this tremendous corporate tax cut, and he doesn't think that's actually factored into the market. So, yeah. in in a way, he was almost this morning on CNBC saying. Hey, this stock market could actually be a little bit undervalued, which I thought was a pretty surprising yeah, the, uh, statement. The word he used there, Matt, is he called the market sensible. And that really struck me. I was driving in, I'm like, wow, you don't hear that word applied to this market very much. <laughs> right. From Buffett, that's almost sensible. like a, that's almost like a buy signal. Almost. Yeah. Jason's yeah, walking the fence, isn't he? I mean, I think that's what Buffett has always been so uh, good at doing, right? He's he's great at not really going to the extreme 
on either side of the coin, right? I mean, he's talking about cryptocurrency, for example, and how he wouldn't short, but he would certainly buy a put, right? He's talking about the market being sensible, but not crazy cheap or something. So, I mean, he's always really good at sort of communicating a pretty level-headedness, and I think that's one of the reasons why we appreciate him so much, is because of that long-term mentality, you can take that sort of level-headedness approach to a lot of these things that we're talking about every day. And and going back to that CNBC interview, um, I took down a few notes that I wanted to share because it's such a great interview. If you get a chance, Becky Quick's interview with um, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger today on CNBC definitely worth watching. Um, when Buffett was asked why he didn't make this announcement earlier, he said, "Quote lethargy bordering on sloth." <laughs> <laughs> this from a guy yeah. who still works on Saturday. So I think Buffett's idea of slothfulness is a little different than mine. And then on his health, Maddie, we talked about this earlier. He said, quote, I'm in remarkably good health considering the life I've led. And then he went on to say, I wasn't much to start with. Yeah. He's a humble guy. Beautiful. Beautiful. He's incredibly yeah. humble. And yeah. we love that. And you know who another humble guy is? Who's that? Domino's CEO Patrick Doyle. He is. How's that for a segue? There you go. Patrick Doyle announcing that he's stepping down in June. Okay, he started in 2010. If you go back in the Wayback Machine, Domino's trading around $9 a share in January of 2010. Not doing well, right? Doyle takes over, shares today trading north of $200. He's 54 years old. And a lot of people say this guy could be the next CEO of Chipotle. That's distinctly possible. I mean, it's funny. I remember going back to like 1990. Let me see. I graduated high school in 91. So, I mean, I remember like 88, 89, 90 going to football games at our school. And like Domino's was really the big kid on the block, right? They were just coming out there with a delivery model. And it sort of redefined, uh, you know, getting, getting food and convenience. I mean, having pizza delivered was kind of a big deal back then. And it, it still wasn't the greatest pizza back then. And so then it kind of seemed to fall off a cliff. And, and you need to get a guy like Doyle in there really to sort of recognize the challenges and understand that, hey, Sure, even even bad pizza is still pizza, but come on, man, let's make some really good pizza here. And I think that's what he recognized. And so when he's he's leaving, he said he wanted to basically he wanted to hit on three major goals. He said he wanted Domino's to be the top pizza company in the world. He wanted his franchisees to make more money, and he wanted to be able to refine his leadership team and have that set uh, a sensible succession to to allow the company to succeed after he was gone. And he feel he feels like he's met those three goals, and I mean, at, at a relatively young age, still, he seems like he really enjoyed his job. He's very good at it. Um, I can see why he would be at least uh, kicked around as a possible new CEO for Chipotle, and and uh, I mean, really. We haven't heard anything about that that Chipotle story yet, so who knows what's going to happen with that company at this point? If you remember my reckless prediction back, I mean that Chipotle might very well uh, go back to a private uh, setting because like it. it's a little bit easier to manage the business when you're out of that public spotlight. Well, as a Chipotle shareholder, I would love to see Patrick Doyle take over Matt, in part because when he took over at Domino's, one of the things they did with their ad campaign is they showed focus groups where people consistently said. This pizza tastes like cardboard. <laughs> and Doyle said, we hear you. That's not acceptable. We're going to fix it. And when you start from that position of humility, it's hard not to root for a guy like that. Now, was that corrugated cardboard? Or is that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he, he could be a good choice. The, the thing with Chipotle, though, is, and maybe, and I didn't follow the Domino's story early on enough, but I, I got a feeling Domino's was pretty broken at the time. In other words, it was probably <laughs> losing... Sh I mean, 
I, I wouldn't call Chipotle necessarily broken. I think it, it just needs someone, and Doyle might be the right guy, but it needs really someone to come in and just do some basic blocking and tackling, get, get control of the supply chain, roll out breakfast, do some clever marketing, you know, bring the traffic back. You know, whether that's Doyle or another CEO, I really don't know if you needed someone as high profile like as Doyle or maybe Steve Easterbrook to come in there and do it. I think you'd almost get the COO or even a, a good regional manager of a, of a major chain to come in and able to work with Steve Ells and, and make this happen. And so, you know, it could happen. The timing's interesting. The fact that Chipotle is looking for someone, then he steps away from Domino's. And I see Chipotle stock up, you know, lately. And that could be because of rumors of that. But they don't necessarily need that, I think. I think it's more of just someone to come in who's a competent manager and, and make a few things happen. What about Nick Saban? Oh, <laughs> Look, Nick Saban can run anything he wants. You know, any company in the world, I think, would be a super success. And guys, before we get to our final story, I want to again mention that this episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams and a breathable design that helps you sleep cool. And guys, we want to sleep cool, don't we? I need to sleep cool. I find myself in the morning. I've always kicking one leg out from under the covers because I'm too hot, then I'm too cold, and it's like trying to find that happy medium. I can't do it. Well, Casper will help you sleep cool. It helps you regulate your body temperature throughout the night. Casper mattresses are made in the USA, and buying is easy. You can order online. It's delivered to your door in a compact box. Free shipping and free returns in the USA and Canada. And there's a risk-free 100-day trial. So, considering that we spend one third of our lives on a mattress, some of us a little more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least one third. Then that's so important to really sleep on a mattress before committing. That's why Casper gives you that 100 nights to try it out. Some of our colleagues, guys here, have bought Casper mattresses and they really, really love them. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash fool and using promo code fool at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash fool and using promo code fool at checkout. Okay, guys, let's end with some Facebook, well, some buzz. I don't want to call this news yet because it's a report um, according to Cheddar. And Jason, Cheddar is what? Yeah, Cheddar is the online news network, essentially. It's kind of like uh, sort of CNBC for millennials. That's right. It's not just cheese. Okay, well, according to Cheddar, Facebook is getting into the home device market with a video chat device named Portal. The announcement will be in May with the aim of shipping the device in the second half of 2018. Cheddar reporting that the price tag will be around $499. Jason, what do you think? Facebook? Well, okay, so if this is in fact the case, all right, if this is in fact the case, I, if there's if it's possible for something to have a less than zero percent chance of succeeding, then I'd say the Facebook portal is probably it. Why do you say that? <laughs> I can't fathom this thing gets any traction whatsoever for a number of reasons. I mean, let's 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 just think about what this is from the very get go. They're talking about a a video hub where you can communicate with your family and your friends. We've all already got one of those Mac in our pocket, and they, uh, you can take them wherever you want to go. I don't know how much time people are spending in their kitchens anyways. Uh, in, in all honesty, I mean, let's think about the companies that have already made so many advancements in this space already. I mean, Amazon developing the Echo, in hindsight, looks like such a smart bet, given where that product is today, and given the iterations we've seen with that product. And the Echo Show is, is no exception. So, the, it, this basically sounds like Facebook's version of the Echo Show. And that's fine. The Echo Show is really cool. 
It's also about half as much as this Facebook portal, if that, in fact, is going to be the selling price there. And I'll bet you the Amazon Echo does more and the technology is better. Uh, now, with that said, I think this thing could totally flop and it's not going to matter. I mean, this is something that Facebook's not known for doing, right? Hardware isn't their forte. But I think that, hey, Zuckerberg probably sees himself as that Bezos-style long-term thinker. It's a simple bet for him to make. There's probably no downside, because I can't imagine anybody with a head on their shoulders thinks this thing is going to succeed anyway. So, I don't want to put, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you seem skeptical. <laughs> oh, just, just slightly. Just slightly skeptical. Hey, I could be wrong. I certainly could be wrong. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with Jason. I think the, the price tag for one, as Jason mentioned, almost $500, more than twice the Amazon uh, Echo, which just seems too big of a stretch given the Am- and the lead that Amazon has, and I don't see a lot of consumers who have embraced the Echo are going to switch over or try the portal when the Echo does all this and and so much more. I mean, remember the the great thing about the Echo is that it's just it's for Amazon purposes. It's a way for consumers to just buy more Amazon stuff or use more Amazon services. And I Facebook's the way Facebook's going to monetize this, and I'm you know if they can't get it through the price, which is too expensive, you know, is advertising. And again, whether or not that succeeds or not, I just think Amazon at this point is too far a lead. Facebook's too late to the game. And don't you think we're approaching kind of device fatigue? I mean, I don't really? know about you guys, but I feel like I was I've got an iPhone six, and you know they give you the whole hocus pocus about how you're eligible for the upgrade <laughs> now, and you've had it for two years, and I don't want to upgrade it. I don't. But you what know I know, what I, want? I want a new battery. Well, that's what I've done. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've done. I went to the Apple store, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to upgrade my phone. I just want a new battery because my battery is like totally shot, and that's what I'm doing for like 29 bucks. Yep. But I have device fatigue. I agree. I mean, I I, I think that. We're hitting a point where there are so many devices out there, and if it's all in the name of always being connected, well, listen, I don't always want to be connected, okay? It's why you'll never catch me with an Apple Watch. It's why I vowed to never buy another iPad or tablet for as long as I live, because the phone honestly really takes care of everything I need uh, anyway. And so, yeah, we've, we've got Echo, and we've got a few Echo Dots around the house, and those are great. I mean, we've certainly learned how to use them and, and sort of bring podcasts and radio and all sorts of different things that it, that it does. Um, yeah, I feel like at this point you really have to make your case to convince the consumer to buy yet another device. And at five hundred dollars, it just doesn't stand a chance. It just doesn't stand a chance because no one is going to look at shelling out that kind of money when you've got better options out there between Amazon, uh, Google, and, and look, Apple's HomePod is even cheaper than that. So, so I mean, how Facebook figures they could command any pricing power is beyond me. Again, if this is in fact the case and this is what's going to happen, um, you know, I, I think they've really got the uh, they've got the deck stacked against them. Okay, guys. Well, as I love to do, it's the completely arbitrary desert island exit question. <laughs> You've got to buy one of these stocks, and you've got to hold it for the next five years. We've got Kodak, we've got Berkshire, we've got Domino's, or we have <laughs> Facebook. Oh my goodness! Hmm. So Kodak, Berkshire, Domino's, and Facebook. Yeah, we're just wrapping it all up, oh, and I it's mean, so it's unfair. Just, it's, it, it is totally unfair. Is that unfair. a slam dunk? Is and that I'm Berkshire? absolutely going Berkshire ten okay, times. Okay, okay. I thought you may surprise me. I'm, I didn't know. I'm, I got to go Berkshire too. No, no way. What if I added blockchain to like all the other names? Your case becomes more compelling. <laughs> Pizza coin? But I'm still, I'm still sticking with Berkshire. Yeah, me too. Okay. Jason, Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks Matt. Matt. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.